Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Politics by Faith. I'm Mike Slater. Thanks for being here. Thanks for making this a part of your day. So we've been doing this podcast for a couple months now. And I feel like we need a good just overall review on anxiety because that's why this podcast exists because I was getting too anxious about the news and the world and our country and where we're going and all, and, and everyone I knew <laughs> had anxiety to the point where they wouldn't even watch the news anymore. And so that's what you got to do. That's fine. But I think it's important to know what's going on as well. So we kind of combine the two and that's why we're here, but we got a lot happening. All this, you know, Russia, Ukraine, China getting involved, getting closer to World War Three, the economy, like like economic numbers come out, and the economy is doing too good, which means the Fed's going to increase rates even more, which will send the economy crashing. So so much for a soft landing. Housing values are going to crash. This is really bad. I've been reading a lot of articles about people microdosing mushrooms. <laughs> What? Psilocybin? Have you heard of this? Psilocybin? This is the Harvard Medical Journal. The popularity of microdosing of psychedelics. NPR, thousands of moms are microdosing with mushrooms to ease the stress of parenting. So it's the same thing. There's nothing new under the sun. One of the themes of the show, Ecclesiastes. Nothing new under the sun. This is the same as Valium. In the 60s and the 70s, remember the Rolling Stones song, Mother's Little Helper. Wine moms, more recently, and, and we've had adults using marijuana or edibles, and now moms microdosing mushrooms. <laughs> and I love this line from the NPR article. Uh, quote, she says, microdosing helps moms sit with their stress and problems, not run away from them. No, that's, that's running away from them. We're numbing them. I mean, I, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you're sitting. You're not addressing them <laughs> is the point. You're not addressing the problem. Maybe you're sitting with it, but you're numbed out about it, and that's not solving it. Another headline. Stressed out, busy moms say microdosing mushrooms makes life easier and brighter. Oof. So what's going on? What is with this anxiety? We talked about it with kids. There's a pupil, 13 to 17-year-olds. They were asked, what are, my, what are the major problems among your peers? And number one by far, 70% of kids said anxiety and depression is a major problem. 70%. 26% said it's a minor problem. So overall, 96% of 13 to 17-year-olds say anxiety and depression is a problem. Do you ever, when you were 13 to 17, were you ever anxious and depressed when you're 13? Now, 96% of kids feel that way. What is going on? But check out the other problems. 90% say bullying is a problem. 87% say drug addiction. 84% say drinking alcohol. 78% say teenage pregnancy. 78 And 71% say gangs. Jeez. It's heavy stuff for 13 to 17 year olds. The chief medical officer of the CDC said America's teen girls are engulfed 
in a growing wave of sadness, violence, and trauma. Wow. Engulfed. Sadness, violence, and trauma. And it's on both sides of the uh, expectation spectrum, if you will. So they're the kids who are super high achievers, they're expected to go to the best college and graduate and make a ton of money. They're super anxious because they got to get a perfect score on the SAT and I got to go to the best school, otherwise I'm worthless. And then on the other side, there are 60 schools across the state of Illinois where not a single student can read or do math at grade level. Not one, not, a, not one kid in the school, not one. There's 60 of those. So those kids are anxious too, because like, what is their life ever going to amount to if they can't read? But it's not just kids, it's adults. Another survey from Pew, at least four in 10 US adults have faced high levels of psychological distress during COVID. It's having trouble sleeping, feeling nervous, anxious, on edge. Those are the most common manifestations of this distress. So people have their coping mechanisms. That's what we talked about two weeks ago with the morning motivations are what are the world's and other world religions coping mechanisms for suffering? Well, we have our own modern coping mechanisms. The Federal Reserve of all places put out a report I shouldn't say of all places. The report was about where are all the workers? Where are all the prime-aged men who used to work who are not working anymore? That's prime age is 24, 25 to 54. And they said they're all using drugs and playing video games. That was the Federal Reserve. We should do a whole episode on video games. We'll save that for another day. So what I see here are many different ways. Some more unique and and some as old as time. Many different ways to cope with anxiety. Not to mention medication. 10% of women aged 45 to 54 are on anti-anxiety medication. The pharmaceutical companies, who by the way, only ever have your best interest at heart (laughs) in every way. All the pharmaceutical companies are making $20 billion in profit a year off of anti-anxiety medication, <laughs> $20 billion. So uh, sure to say their goal is not to get you off of anxiety medication. And if money is causing you anxiety, you just got more money won't solve it. I was talking to a friend. Uh, he says the, the more money he makes, the more anxiety he has. The more money he makes, the more money consumes his mind. Just this week, there was a man worth $2 billion, a famous investor in New York City, committed suicide, 78, shot himself in his office. He had one of the nicest houses in the Hamptons. So if you look at this guy's life, you're like, oh, it's worth $2 billion. I imagine what his New York City apartment is. He's got this beautiful compound in the Hamptons. He must be so happy. So that's what's going on. What's really going on here, though? So listen, I'm not a doctor. I'm simply here to suggest that we all reassess how we are coping with stress and anxiety. And we start to think about what the root of that anxiety is. 
And I'm here to suggest that there is a biblical answer to what ails us. You think the Bible wouldn't have an answer to something that's so common? Of course it does. The Bible deals with the heart. The answer is right here. That's the Bible. It's in my head. And the biggest root of all this is no one takes care of their heart or their soul. We never talk about this in our culture. When Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and Satan was tempting him. Jesus won, of course, but check out this line, Matthew 4, 11, Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Some translations say the angels came and were ministering to him. The point is they were caring for him. Angels cared for the son of the living God. None of us take care of ourselves. We're surrounded by so much ugliness. We never stop. We never slow down. We never take a rest. We never take in real beauty. So of course we feel that everything's out of our control and then we get anxious. And psilocybin is not the answer. Here's the problem culturally. In, in our uh, Darwinian world, right? Everyone believes in evolution. And because of that, no one ever talks about the heart or the soul. We're all focused on the brain. Hence, take pills or mushrooms to change your brain chemistry. But it's all about your heart. It's all about your heart. Billy Graham in 1999, he said, who knows what events await us in the new century, both for good and evil. That's why I believe that the greatest challenge of the next century will not be technological, economic, social, or political. The greatest challenge instead will be spiritual. For unless we tame the human heart, the 21st century could become the most destructive and cataclysmic in human history. Notice he didn't say, uh, until we tame the brain. No, the human heart. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So what do we do about this? First, let's, let's lament this a little more. I, I lament the anxiety I have. In the Bible, the most common word for worry is merim now, like Matthew 6.25. Therefore, I say to you, do not be anxious, there it is, merim now, about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body. What you will put on. Not, do not be anxious. That's a command. Do not be anxious. The word, it, it's two words combined. And it means divided and mind. So to be anxious is to divide the mind. To have a mind divided. So you got your focus. That's your wholeness. Shalom. 
and uh, you get it, you chop it up in a million different pieces all over the place, and you sh- throw them out <laughs> in the wind, and it goes in a million different places, looking at a million different things, and your mind is running through a million different scenarios of things that are in the future, that could be in the future, that could happen in the future, and you get anxious. Why? Because your mind is divided. God, I lament my divided mind. Heartache. Friend of mine, dad, as we speak, they're at the hospital saying their last goodbyes. Job pressures, family issues, health issues, money issues. I think way too much about money. The friend I was talking about a second ago, that was actually my friend. I wasn't, I wasn't saying, oh, a friend of mine uh, being me, but both we were both talking about it. Such an unbelievable stressor, whether you're making more or less. It's just, it, is, it is stress. It is anxiety. So this is all real, God. I'm not not a stoic or any of those worldviews and coping mechanisms we talked about two weeks ago. I'm not here to ignore it. I'm not here to grin and bear it. But I want to be aware of it. And I want to have an answer to it. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. The world, more money will make you happy. No, no, no. Not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I, I want peace that is not what the world I mean, I've tried it. I've tried, I've tried with the pharmaceutical companies give me, with the self-help books they've given me. I've, I've tried them all. The world doesn't give peace at all. It gives more stress and anxiety. I want a godly peace. Martin Luther wrote a hymn: A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. A bulwark's like a defensive wall. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. So the water levels are rising. The mortal ills of life are rising. The flood waters are rising, but our God is a defensive wall never failing. So let's get to some history in the Bible, shall we? Let's start with some secular poetry. Ovid's Metamorphoses. Uh, This is probably a better story for the episode that surely we will do one day about envy. But I still want to share it here because of this graphic depiction of what envy does to your soul. I feel like anxiety is similar. It's, it's uh, similarly eroding. And I don't just want to not be anxious anymore. I want to hate it. I want to, I want to hate anxiety. I want to be smacked across the face with how how awful of a thing it is. So this is uh, Ovid written around the year eight. So you got the goddess Minerva who is uh, going to the house of envy. So envy is like, like a goddess, right? So Minerva is going to the house of envy. All right, you ready? Enjoy. A house filthy with dark and noisome slime. Noisome means uh, smells disgusting. Use your imagination. Go with me here. Envy lives in a house filthy with dark and noisome slime. It's hidden away in the depths of the valleys where the sun never penetrates, where no wind blows through. A gloomy dwelling permeated by numbing chill, ever fireless, ever shrouded in thick darkness. When the dread warrior maiden, uh, Minerva, reached the spot, she stopped in front of the house for it was not permitted for her to enter. She struck the doors with the tip of her spear, And at the blow, they flew open and revealed envy within, busy at a meal of snake's flesh, the food on which she nourished her wickedness. At the sight, 
Minerva, also Athena, turned her eyes away. But the other rose heavily from the ground, leaving the half-eaten corpse and came out with dragging steps. When she saw the goddess in all her brilliance and of her beauty and her flashing armor, she groaned. Envy's face was sickly pale, her whole body lean and wasted, and her teeth were discolored and decayed, her poisonous breast of a greenish hue, and her tongue dripped venom. Only the sight of suffering could bring a smile to her lips. Oh, it's amazing. Only the sight of suffering could bring a smile to Envy's lips. She never knew the comfort of sleep, but was constantly awake by care and anxiety. Looked with dismay on men's good fortune and grew thin at the sight, gnawing at others and being gnawed. She was herself her own torment. So Minerva asked her to attack this princess. So Envy was like, I'll do it. So Envy, she sweeps out of her house to go find this princess. Uh, wherever she went, she trampled down the flowery fields, withered up the grass, seared the treetops. Don't you feel that way if you're anxious? It's everywhere you go. It's just... And with her breath tainted the peoples, their cities, and their homes, until at length she came to the Athenian citadel, the home of wit and wealth, peaceful and prosperous. She could scarcely refrain from weeping when she saw no cause for tears. And that made, so things were great. Everyone was content, peaceful, prosperous, happy, wit and wealth. Everything was great. And Envy hated it. Then entering the chamber of the king's daughter, she carried out Minerva's orders. She touched the girl's breast with a hand dipped in malice, filled her heart with spiky thorns, and breathing in a black and evil poison, dispersed it through her very bones, instilling the venom deep in her heart. So as soon as Envy did that, the, the king's daughter, the princess, became envious of her sister's marriage. Uh, last part here. So the king's daughter was tormented by such thoughts and the jealous anger she concealed ate into her heart. That's what anxiety does too. Day and night she sighed, unceasingly wretched, and in her utter misery wasted away in a slow decline as when ice is melted by the fitful sun. End quote. Ovid's Metamorphoses. So you get the idea. It's ugly. It's ugly. And I think that's envy, but I think of anxiety the same way, just how it corrodes the soul. And I don't want anything to do with it anymore. I want to hate it. I want to hate it. The Bible's full of discussion about anxiety. And what's interesting is the anxiety always has a reason. Well, whether it's true or not, that's up for debate, but it's there for a reason. Uh, I'll give you three examples. So Jacob tricked his brother Esau from his uh, birthright and, and blessing from the father. We've told that story before. And then he fled. He ran away because he thought his brother was going to kill him. And years went by and he wanted to meet his brother again. So he put this huge army together and he sent them in groups up ahead of him to see if Esau uh, was going to kill him or not. And Esau didn't want to. And then the story goes from there. But what this shows is Jacob regretted the broken relationship and had a guilty conscience. He knew he did the wrong thing. So, so Jacob's anxiety came from a guilty conscience and he was coming up with all these scenarios about what his brother uh, was going to do. So he, he wasn't living in the present. He was living in the future. Well, guilty of the past, but worry for the future. We saw that quote before at C.S. Lewis, I believe. Uh, God wants you to stay in the present, but you have the worry for the future and guilt from the past, and it knocks you out of the present. But the present is what touches eternity. And anxiety 
will keep you away from living in the moment. So that was Jacob. Second, uh, Hannah couldn't have a child. She was mocked by her husband's other wife. First uh, Samuel 1 says her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her. Uh, so her anxiety was from an unfulfilled desire. And she prayed. And eventually God gave her Samuel, who then she gave back to God. And a third example of anxiety comes from Esther 3. Haman was the main official under King Xerxes. And he sent out letters by courier to all the king's provinces with instructions to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and children in one day. That's Esther 4.3. And in every province, whether the king's command and his decree reached, excuse me, wherever the king's commands and his decree reached, there was great mourning among the Jews, with, I would think, with fasting and weeping and lamenting. And many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. So the people, the Jewish people were anxious of death. So there's just three examples. Where does your anxiety come from? Jacob's was from a guilty conscience. Hannah's was from an unfulfilled desire. Uh, the Jews at this point were, they were fearful of death. There's a reason for your anxiety. Magic mushrooms won't deal with it. The pharmaceutical companies don't care about it. We're the only ones who can get there. We have to deal with the reason, the cause, the root of the anxiety. So what's in my control? Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. You know that to be true. But... A good word makes him glad. It could be encouragement, sure. But how about the word? Read the word. And the word tells you, do not be anxious. Oh, Slater, easier said than done. I know. I know. So how do we get there? Philippians 4. In everything, everything, some things, everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace, oh, that's what I want, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So don't be anxious. Pray. Be grateful for what you have. And a peace, a peace beyond all understanding will come to you. And it will guard your mind and your heart. I'll give you another, another life hack. 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Love that. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Take every thought and say, is it true? Make that thought obedient. And if it is not true, replace it with what is true. What is true, noble, right, pure lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. How should we end this episode today? First, I hope all this is helpful. I hope there's a couple, I don't know. I just hope this is helpful. If nothing else, let's look to Jehoshaphat as the model of what we should do and what we are capable of doing when we have anxiety. He was the fourth king of Judah, he got word that some mighty armies were coming to invade and kill him and the people. Like That's pretty anxiety, right? That'll, that'll make someone anxious. So what did he do? Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. Yes, absolutely. 
and he took some magic mushrooms to no so he played video games to ignore the pain no and he set his face to seek the lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of judah so he did the right thing first he didn't pop some pills or zone out with video games or whatever he set himself to seek the lord first and then he cried out in prayer verse 12 oh our god will you not execute a judgment on them for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us we do not know what to do but our eyes are on you love that the recognition of we are powerless this is a part of this week's morning motivation theme is um, the first beatitude Blessed are the poor in spirit. Here's Jehoshaphat saying, ah, we can't do this on our own. We got nothing, God. But our eyes are on you. That's amazing. And it's true. You are powerless against everything. And we have no idea what to do. I don't know. What do I do with this anxiety? All I know is, God, our eyes are on you. And God said to Jehoshaphat, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours, but God's. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Slater Radio at gmail.com if you could leave a five-star review to help us spread the word that would be amazing i hope this was helpful i hope you have a wonderful night politics by faith mike slater